Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore B-Town Podcast. It is Friday, March 27th, bringing you a little four-core press here. It is uh, Jake Luke uh, on the mic right now. Spencer is not going to be uh, on the episode for this one, celebrating his anniversary. So shout out to you and the franchise buddy. Uh, sick brag about having a girlfriend and missing a podcast. Uh, must be nice. Uh, joined this time by Voss making another appearance. How you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing fine. Doing well. How are you? Good. I could get used to be you uh, being on the uh, line here. Uh, a little bit more going forward, so I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, making his appearance after what's been probably a couple months at this point, it is uh, Kyle, uh, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street Barber. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, all things considered. Uh, went for a run yesterday, so uh, you can tell just how serious uh, my boredom has become if I went for a run, just willingly. Yeah, I don't like running unless there's a ball involved. If there's not a ball involved, I'm not in for running usually. Dude, there's <laughs> there are so many people just outside now. Like it's just in my neighborhood at least, I went for a run too. I was telling you guys I thought I was gonna like die of an asthma attack, but there there's just so many people like out in the neighborhood now just walking. It's like when you're not allowed to leave your house, that's when you start to like do the whole hey, I guess I have to do like physical fitness now thing. Maybe there's just some sort of Pavlovian response that like when you can't do something, then you want to do a little bit more. Who knows? That and coupled with the fact that um, so I assume a fair amount of these individuals had gym classes or courses or yoga or something that they were using as their outlet and everything shut down at this point to where you got to figure out something and sitting in the house after working in the house and eating in the house and doing nothing in the house, maybe just a, a walk outside because that's how I felt. I was like, I just got to go for a run. I got to get just away from being inside the house right now. <laughs> yeah, I um I like just signed up for like the gym for the first time in a couple of years at the beginning of this year for like no, nah, I wouldn't say a lot of money a month, but like it's, you know, a sizable amount. It's like, all right, it's sick. Yeah. So that's it bad luck Brian meme from like 2013. That's me right now. Signs up for the gym, <laughs> pandemic breaks out and he can't go. 
Um, so yeah, hot start to the year for sure. Um, but we're soldiering on. It's the start of a new league year. Uh, we've seen a lot of different transactions take place for the Ravens. Uh, we're going to get to one of them, uh, in Calais or C. Alice Campbell, depending on how you want to pronounce his name. Uh, he had his, I guess you would call it a press conference today, a little virtual press conference deal where Kyle, you got to sit in on that a little bit, uh, and ask some really good questions. He had a really good one. Uh, about John Harbaugh. I don't know where you would have gotten that from. Uh, it was just really well thought up and <laughs> fantastic. Um, really seemed to yeah, get a great... So he, so he, did a, he does a conference call instead of being at a podium for the media, obviously, for the situation that's going on. And uh, I essentially live tweeted it like I was watching a, a television series like back when Game of Thrones was still good and that was still fun to do. But yeah, he answered a lot of questions. Um, I asked the staff uh, if you guys had any questions Vass had one about um, what he thought about the scheme of uh, Coach Martindale and where he fits in. Uh, somebody from, I believe, WBAL asked that about the second question in. Uh, but yeah, be yeah, a little I, more original, Voss, next time, please. What's that? I was just t- telling Voss to be a little more original. Come on. What are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> It's getting asked two questions in. Like, you know. But yeah, I asked about your question of... Uh, of what he thought of John Harbaugh and uh, his coaching so far. And uh, it was a really good quote from him. He said that, uh, you know, he's never, he's like, everybody I've ever talked to has, has loved him. That's going back 10 plus years. When you talk to enough players, eventually somebody says something negative about a coach. That's never happened with my conversations about Coach Harbaugh. Uh, two things from that. One, that's fantastic that, you know, Harbaugh is such an upstanding coach person and, uh, and just a leader. Also, that means that Kalias Campbell has never spoken with Bernard Pollard before. That's right. Bernie the Bone Crusher. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So that's that's my big takeaway there. Uh, he was super nice, super friendly. Uh, the, he was busy with a second call, well, a prior call before we hopped on. And uh, he, like, apologized to us throughout the conference call saying, I'm usually not tardy. I'm usually not like this, guys. This is different. He also sounded much more gruff because he has that deep voice. So Dude, was I was going to say, I'm, I'm very familiar with his voice from that All or Nothing show like five years ago with the car. <laughs> I wanted to hear you try to give an impression of it. I, I don't want to do it. Don't make me do that. <laughs> it was, but he was super polite. It was nice. He talked a lot about Lamar Jackson being an important part to uh, joining the Baltimore Ravens. Called him, you know, the MVP that he is. He continues to do things and impress uh, everybody. He's only going to get better. He was excited that this was a young team as well. That's something that I really liked. And he said he can offer some uh, quote unquote veteran leadership, and he can also find his role as a as a veteran and as a person capable of sharing his wisdom of the sport with others and overall he's really excited to be with the ravens and the biggest takeaway that everybody loves to hear is he took less money to join the baltimore ravens and their winning culture than going in and finding the big paycheck elsewhere which i thought was awesome that's something that you uh see sometimes with some of these players that come to the ravens and go to these other organizations tony jefferson did it a couple years ago uh turning down more money from the jets and the browns and everything with campbell so far has shown me that this is just you know a home run of an acquisition so far the way that he's responded on social media the way that he spoke about pretty much everything in the presser today and uh, going all the way back to the pro bowl when he was joshing around with some of the players he just seems like a guy that's going to fit in very well here Voss what are your uh, first impressions of the big man there yeah I've uh, been consuming quite a bit of football uh, media news obviously during this period and not only Campbell but also Jimmy Smith it seems that Lamar Jackson has uh, 
entice them to come to the Ravens for maybe a little bit less money than they could elsewhere because they think that the Ravens are close to uh, hosting up a Lombardi trophy. Yeah, it sounds that way. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of all around. You you, you always kind of get these feel good situations whenever a big name signing is made. It happened kind of twice over last year with the Mark Ingram and uh, Earl Thomas signings when they came in and did their press conference together. You think back to Jefferson doing one a couple of years ago and Weddle a year before that. So uh, yeah, just, you know, always a really fun time of year. It's obviously very weird right now with everything that's going on with the uh, virus and uh, not being able to do all of this in person or at the castle or presenting his jersey to him. That would be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, obviously can't happen right now. So it's I think still good to see them trying to do something to get all of this out there, some, you know, build some goodwill and excitement between him and the fan base. I think it's a really good job by the NFL and by the Ravens, uh, you know, getting it done during this difficult time. So good on them for that. Um, in the same vein, we have kind of a weird situation popping up. Uh, it was floated a few nights ago. Tonight's Thursday. So it was floated, I think, either yesterday or the day before. I can't remember exactly, but floated out there by Ian Rappaport that the Ravens had made a run at Ndamukong and Sue. Um, he just opted to stay with the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Um, but Zrebeck, Jeff Zrebeck, that is, from The Athletic, was pointing out that that could have been as a result of the fact that they're currently having a little bit of a snag in the contract of Michael Brockers kind of being finalized. Apparently, there's an issue with a physical uh, that, you know, he took showing some damage, I think, within a ligament uh, in his ankle. So, the, you know, maybe an ankle issue for him that they're a little bit concerned about potentially. It seems like everything's pointing to him still very much becoming a Raven. Uh, I think DaCosta even spoke to that a little bit, and uh, Brockers' agent spoke to it as well. He was confident the deal's going to get done regardless. But uh, weird situation where Brockers hasn't really been touted by the website yet in the same way that Campbell has been and it's kind of been um, a little bit more hush-hush on that side of things and not really totally finalized yet. Voss, what, what was your initial reaction when you heard this news? Yeah, it seems to be maybe a high ankle sprain issue. If this is uh, one of the logistical issues that everyone's experiencing with the pandemic. Um, the Ravens are kind of hemmed in right now in a way because pretty much the extremely deep defensive line crop of free agents has dried up at this point. So I don't know if they want to move on from Brockers. They probably want to maybe take away a little bit of the guaranteed money and maybe they can come to terms on a contract and finalize it and announce it officially if they, they, you know Brockers takes a, a slight haircut or they just have to wait a little bit more time so they can have an, another round of tests done or a trainer. And, uh, and get this thing finalized. Yeah, man, it's a weird one. And uh, when I saw it, I was when I first saw the Sue thing, I just kind of took it as like, oh, they went after Sue. They didn't get him. They kind of settled for Brockers instead. You know, Zrebeck was kind of floating it as, well, maybe they're going to miss out on Brockers. So they tried to get Sue and they failed in that, which would have resulted in a net zero uh, for a defensive line signing there or a defensive tackle signing there that I think would have been a really bad situation. Uh, yeah, it is weird. And I think it just more speaks to the weirdness of the pandemic situation, because I feel like if it wasn't going on, this probably wouldn't even be happening in the same way or the process of him getting checked out by another doctor or by Dr. Curl, it would have just kind of sorted itself out much quicker than it's going to. So, you know, more than anything, more than this being like a sign of the negotiations going bad or anything like that, it's just a sign of the fact that we're in very weird times in regards to the NFL calendar. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, it's been quite strange because you can't send your doctor out there. You can't have the player come to you. And so they had a the uh, an independent doctor 
perform a physical. And uh, according to Jeff Strebick, he says that uh, they found a, a possible uh, issues or concerns with his ankle and how he suffered a high ankle sprain late last year. Um, it's it's just the climate. And uh, like you said, this is just a, a unique and foreign time in not only sports history, but just American history of, of, uh, of what's going on with the entire country and honestly the world as we know it. So uh, it, it puts everything into uh, a strange basket that you can't really figure out what you can do what you can't and just you're trying to coast along and and uh make changes literally minute to minute as we've noticed yeah i mean maybe it's a throwback to like the 70s and 80s when this stuff moved a lot slower and fans didn't find out information instantaneously and teams didn't have access to all these private jets and you know everything like that and it's kind of like a throwback to a time like that weirdly where uh, this virus has this kind of we still have all the technology that allows us to communicate, but some of the physical uh, interaction that you need just isn't there uh, quite as fast as you would need it or uh, not really at all in some cases. So yeah, very weird situation, but uh, it does all seem to be pointing towards Brockers ultimately inking for the team. So no need to fully dwell on it, at least quite yet. Uh, we did have a few other bits of news we wanted to get to, mainly just departures. Uh, Peanut Owasso, um, middle linebacker, it looked like they were actually, the Ravens were interested in bringing him back, uh, at least to some extent. Zerubek was floating that out there uh, that DaCosta was looking at uh, potentially doing so, but he has gone off to the New York Jets, uh, or should I say the New York former Ravens, uh, to join C.J. Mosley and Joe Douglas. Uh, you had Josh Bynes, who played very well for them last year at middle linebacker, going over to the division rival Bengals on a one-year deal I know you have the uh, contract details on that pulled up so you can dive into that a little bit if you want Kyle and then we had uh, (laughs) Seth Roberts I mean you were just really into the contract details so it's just I, I had to throw I was trying out. to find them. Don't give me that. I was trying to find them. Nobody has them. Well, then the cap, my, well, my inside sources at over the cap and spell track uh, from a from a Google search uh, or a DuckDuckGo search could was, not find I, them. I was going to say, it sounds like your journalistic integrity is maybe lacking on us a little bit here. But uh, <laughs> um, get out of here. And then we had Seth Roberts joining the Carolina Panthers. So uh, three, you know, rotational guys, not. I wouldn't call them fringe players necessarily, but uh, not really guys that were 100% going to be a part of this team. And the fact that they were free agents this year kind of spelled the writing on the wall for them. So they're all now gone. What is uh, your reactions to these three guys leaving Mr. Barber? Uh, I I think uh, fringe starters, not fringe players, but fringe starters would probably be the accurate term for him. You know, Bynes was able to start. Patrick uh, Peanut was able to start. You know, he was fringe starter, though, as we saw, because he could not uh, maintain control of the middle linebacker position. He had to get shifted back to weak side. Um, Good luck to all three of them. Go get paid. Go get your money. That's awesome that Josh Bynes is still finding work. Uh, as a as an older veteran, as a guy that you know has fought from the from the lowest to the low to get into the NFL itself, let alone sustain such a long and lengthy career. Uh, Peanut, same thing goes for him. He was an undrafted linebacker, showed up with the Ravens, and uh, now he's getting paid, and he's get a, he gets to play with his former teammate and probably one of his best tandems of uh, of his 
NFL career thus far, CJ Mosley, you know, he had an outstanding 2018 season with, with Mosley, uh, on his side. Um, as for Seth Roberts, uh, I hope he can find some more success over there in Carolina. Um, I hope the payday is more worth it seeing as Cam Newton's not there and, uh, they traded the, what, what Allen was it? Kyle Allen that was there. There's five quarterback Allens in the league right now. Right. So, um, hopefully he can find somebody that can deliver him the football, but more importantly, he gets to cash some checks and maybe net the Ravens a compensatory pick if peanut doesn't get a comp comp pick as well. So hopefully they both get paid a bunch of money and the Ravens can profit from it as well as themselves. For sure. What do you think Voss? I was disappointed to see Bynes leave. I was hoping that Takasa would bring him back. He played really well last year, really well. If you go to Pro Football Reference advanced stats, he made more impact plays in terms of disruption in the backfield, hitting the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, defending passes, intercepting passes than C.J. Mosley did the previous year. He really did. Um, And I thought that the linebacker depth chart is not looking too strong right now with LJ Fort, uh, Chris Board, and Atara Laka. Those are the only three. Uh, As far as numbers, the Ravens definitely need to add some inside linebackers in the draft um, without binds. Um, Roberts, that's that's fine. I don't think it's a big deal. They might get a comp pick for him. The Chris Wormley trade will probably end up basically being a comp pick as well, or at least the same value as a comp pick. So they're not going to be stacked up with a bunch of third and fourth, extra third and fourth rounders next year, but enough. Um, and Peanut, he just never – he made impact plays here and there, but he just wasn't, I guess, instinctual enough to really claim hold of that job. So I think they're going to end up drafting inside linebacker, but with the way this defensive line is shaping up combined with the secondary, you don't necessarily need a plus-plus player there to have an awesome defense. Yeah, Bynes was definitely the one that stands out to me. As much as I once had uh, high hopes for Peanut um, – Bynes was a guy who came in when Peanut was struggling and some of those other guys at middle linebacker were struggling. He came in and not only was he a stabilizing force, but the guy made some splash plays during the year, which, you know, may be easy to forget. He came in and I think it was that first game against Pittsburgh that he played uh, where he picked off. I think it was Rudolph like in their own red zone and it kind of helped turn the game for the Ravens. Uh, He had a couple other big plays um, from the year. I think uh, a fumble recovery maybe a sack or two, something like that. I don't have it all off the top of my head, but it just felt like he made a couple splash plays and was a very solid, you know, dependable player in that middle linebacking core. So it does kind of hurt to lose him. And maybe it does sort of speak to the idea that Eric Costa just doesn't really care about the middle linebacker position. He said, look, I found this guy off the street. I found Ford off the street. I can do it again if I have to. And Ford's still going to be in the picture anyway. So we'll find someone. Maybe that's his thinking. I don't know. Uh, You guys got anything else on any of the news? Anything else you want to throw out there before? Scoop Scoop and score. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you want to go ahead and elaborate on that? So the Ravens are bringing back Chris Scoop and score more for another year. You're so you're so happy about it. You're like getting tears. I'm so happy. I don't think it's a a big move, to be honest. I guess you want to shore up special teams unit that regressed a bit last year. Um, I don't know if he's going to necessarily make the roster. You know, we'll see. I think one interesting note, and I was listening to the Ryan Russillo podcast, and they were saying in this climate where OTAs and rookie camp and everything are likely to be canceled, the Ravens are maintaining continuity, bringing back the Anthony Thomas, Jihad Ward, Jelly Ellis, Chris Moore, Anthony Levine, and of course Jimmy Smith, the big one. 
they are maintaining that experience and that should be beneficial when a lot of these teams and new coaching staffs aren't going to have a lot of time to prepare their players for the new season. Yeah, I threw a retweet for you on that one. I saw you talking about it. I thought it was a uh, astute point there by Rusillo because we may not even get a, a full training camp. We may not get a training camp. Who knows at this point? The season may get pushed back. So going to be a lot of uh, moving parts going on uh, to borrow an office parlance that has been thrown around Zoom probably a million times in the last week. A lot of moving parts. So we don't know what's going to happen with the season and ultimately having some guys in there with you know the continuity um, and sort of just kind of having the playbooks in their head the way coaches like to do things in their head the way the coordinators run things in their head uh it definitely is a big help in a time like this so i think bringing back guys like Moore uh, can certainly help with that uh i think it also does speak to maybe a little bit of a feather in harbaugh's cap because uh, they were kind of beefing last training camp and Moore was definitely seemed like he was on the outs with harbaugh and you know you kind of hadn't really seen that type of thing with harbaugh on a player in a while but um it seems they may have uh, squashed that by this point. The fact that he's willing to come back on a one-year deal to maybe prove himself again uh, proves that. So, uh, yeah, good for John Harbaugh, in my mind. No thoughts? <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted to throw it my way or not. Um, I, I, I'm indifferent on this. Uh, I'm not the biggest Chris. I, I'm a Chris Moore fan, but I don't think he's ever really – produced more than becoming a special teams contributor which as everybody knows i love i appreciate but uh i think a lot of his play can be replicated and with this team trying to become more uh passing on offense i don't think he provides enough value for him to be a roster spot it's not that he's not good at what he does it's just i think you can find somebody that can provide a different set uh skill set for uh, what it is, uh, fans weren't really too thrilled about it. I don't know if you guys saw the responses from uh, from Jeff Srebix, but people were were saying this was a rare rare whiff by Eric DaCosta. And uh, Jeff Srebix snap. I think he got a little he got a little snarky. He gets um, a little. He'll fire. He'll fire some pot yeah, shots every now and then. It's not too often he does it. It's so funny. It's when the he best does, when he but, does. Yeah. Um, he posted about it, and uh, everybody was like, "Man, I'd rather see Jaleel Scott." And then people went back and forth arguing about it, and then Jeff just went with the. Uh, roster spots aren't decided on March 24. And the response to that is, you're right, I just want Julio Scott to make the final roster. I suppose it's too early to tell. And Jeff just goes, of course it is. <laughs> Dropping the hammer. Just, just shut up, just ends the conversation, not about it. I I, re, I retweet, I quote tweeted it with Jeff with the heat today, and he even responded to me. He's like, I think it's time for a Twitter timeout for a lot of us, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. let, me throw a hypo, let me throw a hypothetical at you guys real quick. Oh, okay. Okay. Hypothetical. So, DaCosta has brought back, what, five or six or seven? Uh, I guess, well, it depends how you want to categorize Jimmy. But these veterans on these low, or assuming veteran minimum deals, um, hypothetic, and and those the cap dollars are prorated a little bit, and some of them are knocked out by some of the rules, the rule of fifty one, and and uh, the veteran benefit and et cetera. But um, and it looks like they have about eight or ten million, eight to ten million left, according to Brian McFarland, the Ravens cap guru, right now. If you could. Instead of signing these uh, five or six guys we all named off, bring in one outside free agent for the same money, would that have been a better investment? I don't think so, personally. I think going for the depth 
uh, is something I'm usually going to be um, more in favor of, uh, especially for a team that's very young right now. You're bringing back some of the uh, veterans that kind of round things out and make you a little bit more balanced. And also, uh, I think Super Bowl contenders are sneaky built on having good depth and not just invest over investing in certain positions. So I think having a good spread of the depth and, you know, they still have a rookie class to bring in. So ultimately, I think uh, bringing these guys back is the move I would make. But I don't know about you, Kyle. Yeah, they brought back great players on good contracts. Uh, they brought back Jimmy Smith, um, Chris Moore, Jelly Ellis. Um, Sam Cook was one that they re-signed. He's a legend. Let's be real here. Punters are people too. Oh, we'll be talking and, about him on the uh, the bracketology here. Woo! I'm excited about it. But uh, I think the players that they re-signed and brought back on cheaper deals are totally worth that over one possible splash and free agency um depth wins football games you got to be able to rotate players in and out you got to be able to have it the next man up mentality when the situation arises and i think that this is how they've operated this offseason has been darn near what i would have hoped to be uh minus the josh Bynes being able to sign with the Bengals instead of the ravens uh, i was in agreement with you on that vast as to uh him walking i was pretty bummed by it but uh, I think this is the right move, and I'm excited to see what these players that are returning have in store on their one-year deals. Did you have anyone specific in mind? No, I'm just more of a hypothetical roster building, and I think I agree. Both of you guys make good points. So after a nine-man draft class, they're going to have more than 60 either proven veterans or – you know, high drafted players uh, competing for for jobs and definitely depth. That's a great point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, gentlemen, I think that's all we've got. Uh, <coughs> if you guys are cool with it, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to commercial, and then we will come out on the other side with our segment. Okay. So, throwing it to the segment. Getting a little weird for you guys on a Friday. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, in the spirit of the fact that it is March, um, this is March. Some say. Uh, March Madness, some may say. Uh, rest <laughs> in peace to uh, the one of the great sporting events um, in our lifetime that unfortunately had to be canceled this year. That doesn't mean it has to be canceled for everything. Uh, we could hypothetically put on our own tournament, so that's what we decided to do. We decided to do Ravens Madness, where I am an idiot, so I spent like three hours putting together a 64-slot bracket um, for different Ravens figures, executives, players, coaches, all the way down the line uh, through four different segments. And we are going to do it over the course of a couple episodes. Uh, it's called Ravens Madness. What are your guys' initial thoughts? No, no playing games? No, no playing games. We're just <laughs> going straight to the tourney. Uh, let's do it. We're, we're Kyle and I are f- flying blind. We haven't seen this. I asked Jake if he wanted my uninformed hot takes, and he said yes. So, uh, so yeah, let's go. Well, the thing is, like, you're always informed. I can't, I can't get one over on you. You're always, you're, <laughs> you're two steps ahead of me at all times. You're always thinking one step ahead, like a carpenter who makes stairs. <laughs> Shout out to Andy Bernard. <laughs> I like that. I have to use that. <laughs> Kyle, uh, any thoughts going into the tournament here? 
Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, I'm interested. Like you said, uh, you want us to give our best Logan Levy impression and go hot take city. I'm all you for know, it. You know, guys, here's my take. Uh, CJ Mosley sucks. Uh, God, I miss that guy so much. I miss Logan too, man. I miss Logan too. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's coaching football still. I, I hope, hope he's he listening to this. The There's pod. absolutely less than 0% chance that he is. But I, yeah, I miss you, buddy, if you are. And I uh, can't wait to grab a beer with you next time you're in town. Uh, but first off, we got four divisions. We got red. Okay, okay. Let me do it like this. We got purple. We got black. We got red, and we got gold. You guys follow me so far? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> purple. Is, I try to like segment it and like break it up, uh, so they all kind of make sense with one another. So purple is it's kind of like an older subset of players, basically. So like late nineties, two thousands, a lot of guys from the 2000 Super Bowl team. So that's the first, uh, set there. Then black is coaches and executives. So it's just all coaches and guys within the front office or owners. So no players in that one. Red is going to be kind of mid two thousands. It's not, it's, they kind of blend in with each other a little bit. So it's kind of mid two thousands all the way up through like the 2012 team. And then, Gold is essentially kind of a little bit after that up until now. Does that all work for you? Sweet. Sounds great. Cool. So starting it off, we are going to go to the purple division. Dun, 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 I pause dun, dun, one dun. second. Uh, this will be my third bracket that I've messed with in the last week. Um, some, some of my coworkers from the Wilmington, Delaware melting pot. Shout out to Wilmington, Delaware. Shout out to legal um, gambling in that state. They have done a bracket for best cereals we did a 64 bracket for best cereals and now we are currently doing a a 64 bracket for best candies and it looks like reese's and snickers are going to meet in the in the championship but swedish fish has been a balling dog dark horse thus far we can get back to your stuff i just wanted to pop in that no i mean that was that, was, that was really relevant it definitely pertains to what we're doing so i appreciate it very much <laughs> yeah, definitely edit that out jake no no we're keeping that in for sure i just don't like cut it. No, no, leave it in leave I, it want, in. I want everyone so to know just, how tight of a ship we, we're running Go how ahead. do we decide the winner though i so give a take and cog is a take and you every yeah we, we we each vote that's why i wanted three of us okay got you got you oh, brilliant All that's right. why we fired spencer i mean what yeah, no, more on that later. Um, but so starting out, the yeah, let me crack a beer here. Um, this is going to be a fake long beer, segment. Fake beer sounds. Fake beer fake cans. Beer sounds. Yeah. Oh, you drink, bro? Sick. Um, <laughs> we're off the rails, boys. So, let, yeah, let me put us back onto the uh, the rails or the bracket, as it were. So starting us off in the purple division, first matchup. This one is such a slam dunk. It's not even funny, but. Shout out to both of these guys. I tried to make every player like good. Like I didn't want to have any bad matchups. This one's not great. Um, <laughs> the one seed is Jonathan Ogden versus the 16 seed Jermaine Lewis. Kyle, do you know who Jermaine Lewis is? I know who Jermaine Lewis is. <laughs> Get out of here. I know. Well, I just know you've like started following the team after the 2000 Super Bowl. Um, or like I, that well is after. true. Yeah, that is true. Um, um, I don't know if everybody knows that. I, I don't openly express it too much because I think people just think that I'm a that I'm a fraud and they're going to cut my vine. Get, get this dude's vine cut. Get this dude back to Chino Hills. He's a fraud. 
That's what I'm saying, man. Like I remember Scott uh, San Bernardino. Not trying to tell anybody that I was like a, a fan until later. Like I was just a fan of players when I was like a kid, and I did like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, but I uh, I wasn't like a Ravens fan until then. But uh, getting back to this, uh, Jonathan Ogden, <laughs> obvious one pick. Sorry, I keep I just keep hogging the mic. I don't want Vast talking too much. You know, I don't want him usurping me. This is going to be his time to get his takes off because I was definitely too young to watch some of these guys. I know you kind of weren't watching them in the same way that he was, so this is going to be Voss's bracket for sure. So Jonathan Ogden, Ray Lewis, obviously John or Jermaine Lewis, Jonathan Ogden goes through. <laughs> we'll get to Ray Lewis later. Jay Lou was awesome. Jay Lou, he established the special teams of the Ravens. I was at the Saint at uh, the Jets game the year the Ravens when he had the two of them. snowing, and he did, and I think. His uh, his his wife had given birth to a stillborn baby the night before, right. and he was pointing up to, to heaven while he was crossing the goal line. Two returns in the same game. So that's right? a that's very strong, very strong sixteen seed. But yeah, the best left tackle of all time has to advance there. Yeah. So I thought I thought J. Lou would be a good pick there. I was kind of combing through some of the names. Um, maybe trying to find somebody who was like a field player or something like that, but I thought he would be a good nod to the special team. So J. Lou is going to be knocked out by Jonathan Ogden. No surprise there, but uh, valiant effort by him to get into the tournament. Moving on, we have an eight and a nine here. This one's kind of saucy um, a little bit. Rod Woodson is the eight, and that's kind of tough because he wasn't here very long, but he was a really good player. Adelius Thomas is a nine. I'd go upset. Ooh. You're going to... You're going AD? I'd go AD, I think. Oh, man. I have that, to go Woodson. Woodson. I'm definitely going Woodson. He's, uh, he was a pro bowl. He was only here for four years, but he won the Super Bowl, and he was a pro bowler, I think, two of the – or three of the four years. I think he has the Steelers connection, which maybe messes with my brain a little bit. But like I said, I'm a little foggy on some of these guys. Yeah, Woodson was great. He was the, uh, the, the deep safety that made that 2000 defense hum, really. Um, I, I would, I, in my mind, we were having a debate about, on, or just a discussion on Twitter. The best uh, free agent signing in the Ravens history, in my opinion, is Rob Woodson. He's up there. I know. I did know that for sure. Kyle, Kyle what do you think? Rubber match between these two guys. Man, this is a tough one. Um, Adelius Thomas. The only reason I think he didn't really. Uh, excuse me, I'm getting my stuff mixed up. Um, Adelius Thomas. I mean, he was a two-time Pro Bowler with the Ravens. He won an All-Pro in '06. Uh, he was damn good at what he did, um, but he didn't really. I think he was more a product of the system. Um, and though he was a really talented player, uh, the the men that he was surrounded with is just so unreal. And and that many Pro Bowlers, All-Pros, and and Hall of Fame players, uh, kind of makes it to where I think I got to go Woodson on this. Um, I like Adelius Thomas and, uh, but I got to go Woodson here. Okay. So it looks like round of 32, we're going to have Jonathan Ogden versus Rod Woodson. So, okay. We have two of the favorites going through so far coming up next. Uh, we have Chris McAllister as a five seed versus Sam Adams as a 12. This is right up my alley. I love C-Mac. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he, he's the most most deserving player not in the Ravens' ring of honor, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And uh, he definitely had some personal issues. But on the field, he was a lockdown all-decade. He made the all-decade team as cornerback. Sam Adams was great, too. Big body, stick up there, kept Ray clean. But this one's easy, C-Mac, for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's a one, two, three down. C-Mac in a sweep. Okay. Moving on, we have Tony Saragusa as a four versus Brandon Stokely as a 13 seed. Uh, that's a, I think this is a back and forth battle. I think uh, 
Goose probably pulls ahead towards the end just because he did have that really great leadership the year they won the Super Bowl. But uh, Stokely was a really good player, too. Caught the first touchdown in that game, I think. I remember. Yeah, I think it's so. I think it's Goose, but people probably don't remember Stokely very well with the Ravens. He's probably just overall career, not just with the Ravens. He's probably the most or he's definitely the most prolific wide receiver Ozzy ever drafted. He might be the best, honestly. More than Torrey? Nah, Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith. Well, okay, he's he's not better than Torrey. He was more prolific than Torrey. He had a way longer career. I'm saying overall career. seven touchdowns with the Ravens. I'm saying overall career. Like, he, because he went to the Broncos and the Colts, and he had, like, a ton of productivity. Yeah, he was stuck around for a long time, that's for sure. Yeah, so, but yeah, he's one of the few good wide receivers that Ozzy ever drafted, I guess is my point there. Um, and he had that iconic touchdown in the Super Bowl that kind of started to break things open and Billick had the great uh, reaction to it and everything. So I think uh, he's maybe a little, I wouldn't say forgotten to history with the Ravens, but the fact that he went to the Colts and he had all the years of Peyton Manning there and with the Broncos, I think it's kind of forgotten uh, the place he has with this franchise. So I thought he was a good 13, but uh, I'd probably go Goose on that one. What do you think, Kyle? You got to go Goose. Yeah, I like I like Brandon Stokely and I'll always think of his name with the uh, when he caught that tipped pass with the Broncos and the, oh God, the announcer Stokely. the announcer loses it and down just, the sideline Stokely down the sideline just yeah. screaming <laughs> that's uh because, like that's... I'm, this is this is me mimicking it let's be real here but I'm not just doing it for the loudness because I'm at my girlfriend's uh, mom's house hanging out for the uh, the COVID-19 stuff but oh everyone's um, got a yeah, girlfriend <laughs> He doesn't make fun of Bass. He has a wife and kids, man. I don't oh, like sick brag, Bass. You got a you got a family. Nice man. Must be nice to have a garage. <laughs> I'm going goose. I'm, I like that goose. shirt, there, Jake. That's a sharp looking shirt. I need to get one. Of I usually rock my gold chain with this too, um, just to be fully in character. Uh-oh. But <laughs> you got a gold chain, huh? Oh yeah, K Jewelers, bud. <laughs> Is it plated or is it is it all gold? No, I, you know me. It's probably <laughs> mostly real. Um, you know me. It's probably real. <laughs> moving on. I paid good money for it. It's like, yeah, a, you know, a lot, a lot of it was on a gift card. But moving on, um, we have Michael McCrary as an 11. This is a good one. Michael McCrary as an 11 versus Peter Boulware as a six seed. Oh, two of the top three pass rushers in team history with Suggs. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, that's a really tough one, bro. And those are the, the bookends. I think they're um, both Ring of Honor guys. They are both Ring of Honor guys. Um, damn. I don't know. See, if it's not Woodson for best free agent signing in team history, it's McCrary. It's one of those two. Uh, but I think it's – I think Bulwer. I think Bulwer. Yeah. I'd go Bulwer um, too. Yeah. I got to stick with Bulwer, but those are two really tough choices. It's a back and forth game, and I think Bulwer drains a three at the buzzer to uh, to seal it. Bang! Shout out to Mike Breen. What do you think, Kyle? I'm going Michael McCrary. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about uh, McCrary, honestly, but um, I, I know about Bulwer. But even that being said, um, McCrary was an absolute stud. Um, for the Ravens and just his entire career, his career totals in sacks are 71. Peter Ballwares was 70. 
Um, their career lengths are a little bit different, obviously, but um, just looking at his Baltimore numbers, they're insane. His very first year, he joined the team. He has nine sacks, comes back, goes into double digits, gets 14 and a half. Don't think that's enough. He gets another 11 and a half the next year, and he slowly starts to cool off after then. But that's those are some big time numbers from a good free agent that you signed. And uh, though Peter Ballware was, uh, you know, an in house, I believe he was a draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Number four a, overall. Yep, yep. And he had a fantastic first season, 11 and a half sacks. And uh, he was pretty consistent throughout his career. It, it looks like he never had a season under um, seven sacks, actually, which is outstanding. Um, he had four sacks in one game. That's. <laughs> And uh, he, he, he like played one season with the harness on his shoulder and still got double digit checks. He was a hell of a player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's sounds- uh, Go ahead. I, I still, I th- I'm going to go with McCrary. I know that you guys got the, the ball wear. Uh, both you picked. Let's ball just show, wear, show him some love. I like it. But yeah, he's not. That's not a sweeps style. That's that's deserving of a vote from somebody. And For I'm sure. definitely going to give it to him. The sure. Russian judge. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got so far we got Ogden, Woodson, McAllister, Saragusa, Bowler have gone through. Uh some really good matchups so far. Moving on, we have Kelly Gregg as a 14 seed versus the man who makes his living yelling at Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp as a three seed. That's an obvious <laughs> one to me. I think it's Shannon. Yeah. I'll go with Shannon. Just impact plays. Buddy impact Lee was on, a impact in the Super Bowl. Cog in the wheel. Impact. He uh, he caught that tip pass to advance in the uh, first in the wild card round against the Broncos, or, and then he had another long touchdown against the Raiders in the conference championship game. He hit the fifth touchdown in that epic Jacksonville game that season. Anyway, yeah, Shannon. Sure, Shannon. Okay, so Shannon goes through. Next one we have. I might have overseeded Dwayne Starks a little bit as a seven versus Edwin Molotalo as a ten. Hmm. Hmm. I know you guys are leaning on the old head in this in this side of the bracket. Yeah. Um, Starks was good. He was a little bit reckless. He would kind of jump routes, and he it paid off. But he wasn't locked down type. Is like McAllister on the other side. Molotalo. I think I'm gonna go with Molotalo here. As much as I love cornerbacks, because he was a long-term stalwart guard, one of the best. Maybe him and Yana might be the two best guards in team history. So I'll go with Molotalo. Okay, so it sounds like you're going Molotalo there. I think that's who I would throw my vote at as well. I might have been a little weirdly biased toward Dwayne Starks, because I don't know if you guys know this, but Ozzy said that uh, Dwayne Starks was his favorite draft pick ever one time. Really? Yeah, did you not? Yeah, have you ever heard that? No, I think he went 10th overall, and it was kind of a... I don't know. It seemed like a need pick. I think it so was I'm like kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I think it was like an anecdote where he was kind of felt vindicated by the fact that he had a pretty decent career, and then he had that pick six in the Super Bowl and everything. So he kind of always. Oh, that makes him. sense. Yeah, he looked at him as, like with a point of pride. So got him in there, and then Molotalo. I obviously don't know a ton about. Um, wasn't really grinding offensive line tape in the early 2000s when I was like seven years old, uh, but he did have that legendary <laughs> dance uh, on Hard Knocks that I will always remember. So I'm glad that he got in there as well, and I'm going to vote him through. What do you think there, Kyle? 
Uh, I was going to go with Dwayne Starks, actually. Uh, he had a pretty solid career with the Baltimore Ravens, um, including one season where he had 23 pass breakups, which is absolutely nuts. And on top of that, he also had six interceptions for 125 yards that same year. So uh, I think Dwayne Starks deserves at least a vote. I think he I think he should have won this one, honestly. Interesting. But I also was not grinding the tape on an early uh, lineman. So do you just have PF ref pulled up in front of you or always? Because I was oh, going to say, this PF is ref, super just, impressive. If you're well. just rattling these stats off of your head. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> dude, if I this guy did this be legendary, if I didn't, but yeah, no, I, I got, I got PF ref pulled up. I, uh, I use them for just about everything, man. Let's be real here. You're like the James Holzhauer of this, uh, bracketology. Um, moving on, we have our final one. I didn't include Trent Dilfer on this. I feel kind of bad about it. He probably should have gotten a play-in game type deal. But uh, we have, I think, a pretty strong one, weirdly. Uh, we have a two-seed in Jamal Lewis versus a 15-seed in Matt Stover. Jay Lewis, easily, easily to me. Stover was the great. disrespect to Stover Matt Stover. was great, but you can't compare a guy that's on the field for 10 snaps a game to a horse that carried the team for multiple seasons as like their only offensive weapon, really. Uh, Jay Lou. I think sure Stover has, so I think Stover has probably a bigger footnote in franchise history going all the way back to the Cleveland days. But Lewis, I, I don't think they win that Super Bowl really without him as a rookie that year. And he also, oh, he was also 2000 yard season. He was also obviously a beast after that. So yeah, I think J Lou by, by hair probably would be my pick. The disrespect to special teams players knows no bounds. I'm not disrespecting. I'm just saying like, you know, it's close. He's not but a 15. He's not a 15 seed. What's going on here? Oh, he's a kid. Huh? What's going he made, on? Okay, he here. made it in over Trent Dilfer, who was the fucking quarterback of the team. So I think I deserve some credit. Eighty-four percent career percentage with the Baltimore Ravens. What the hell's going on over here? I'm not a fan. Not a fan. It's Jamal Lewis, obviously, in this, <laughs> but this is palpable. This is this is disrespect. <laughs> Special is this, teams turn, is this turning into this undisputed? Like I, is this turning into undisputed? Like I bring up Shannon and Skip, and now you're just like acting Absolutely. like this. Absolutely, I'm salty over here. I'm salty. Ask the number one offense, number one defense, Chargers, if special teams is important. You done? <laughs> Jerry Rossberg is smiling somewhere. Uh, speaking of which, we are now moving into the black division, which is the coaches, executives, and uh, owners. You guys ready? Yeah. And I guess I should recap. We had Jonathan Ogden, Rod Woodson, Chris McAllister, Tony Saragusa, Peter Bulware, Shannon Sharp, Edwin Molotalo, and Jamal Lewis go through earlier. So moving on, we have this one's pretty easy. I had John Harbaugh as a one seed. It's probably pretty debatable, but I thought he probably deserved it. John Harbaugh as a one seed versus the 16 seed of Ted Marchabroda, who I thought should get some love. I don't think any of us are going to vote for him, but I wanted to get him in there. Yeah, Marcia Broto was a co- coach of the Colts back in the day. Yep. And I think when Modell was bringing the team, he didn't want a rough personality like Belichick. And he wanted somebody that Baltimore fans, old, old-time fans were familiar with. But obviously it's Harbaugh here. For sure. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's Harbaugh. Okay, cool. So that one's pretty easy. Shout out to Ted Marchabroda, who was, uh, you know, he had some good years with the Colts in the 70s. Um, and then he helped bring the Ravens back. Um, and he didn't have to do that either. You know, if you look into the history of it, he was kind of persuaded. And uh, 
you know, just, I think, a, a good guy who deserved to get his due. Moving on, we have an eight and a nine. This is a fun one. I couldn't decide between the two, so I went with longevity and Wink Martindale as an eight, and then Greg Roman as a nine seed. Whoa. So it's Wink, it's Wink versus Roman? Wink is an eight, Roman is a nine. I didn't want. I didn't necessarily want them to meet this early, but I was, when I was seeding it, I was like, they kind of need to be like right next to each other. I'm going. I'm going Roman here. Um, he's helped turn this offense into something historic, and I mean that with the true meaning of the word. They're the first team to ever do what they did on the field this year, and uh, he helped produce uh, the Baltimore Ravens' first ever MVP which is a quarterback nonetheless. And it's been, it's been a lot on the shoulders of Greg Roman uh, in, in partnership with the one C John Harbaugh himself. For sure. Voss, what do you think there, bud? Um, they're both awesome and they're both innovative and they both maximize the players around them, you know, putting them in the position to succeed. I guess I'll go with G row because it's the best offense that the Ravens had, and he was maybe even more creative. But Martinelle's right up there with the best DCs in team history through two years. This might have been the best matchup in the whole tournament uh, for the first round. Um, but yeah, I'll throw Wink a vote. Um, I, I don't know if I would have done that if you had both gone Roman, but I think he deserves to get his due as well. Uh, I think, I don't know if I'd say equally historic stuff on the defensive side of the ball, but it's pretty dang close. And he completely changed the mindset of the way that they play. I mean, you think back to the Pease days, and I think Pease gets, uh, well, Pease gets crapped on a little bit is a weird way of putting it, but he um, <laughs> did a little, <laughs> little immature on there. But yeah. leave it in, leave it in. No, I'm gonna uh, trust me. I will. This is after dark podcasting, but y- you know, I he was a little too conservative. Let's just say that, and that bore itself out way too many times. And uh, he needed to go when he did. So I'm glad Wink came in and made them a little bit more aggressive and uh, gave them a little more bite. So Wink will get a vote there, but Roman goes through to face Harbaugh in the next round. Moving on, we have your boy, Kyle, Jerome Rosberg as a 12 seed versus Art Modell as a five seed. Rosberg. I'm going Rosberg. (laughs) A full-blown homer. I don't care. Full-blown homer. (laughs) Full-blown. It's Art Rosberg. He was super nice to me. He shook my hand when it was still okay to shake hands. Not to name drop. <laughs> he was polite. He said, how are you doing? He has the biggest smile of any human being I've ever seen. And then he Besides was nice to me. Besides you talking about special teamers, that is. And then we talked about special teams. I interviewed him about a long snapper, and he was happy that I asked him about a long snapper. Uh, we talked about what kind of system he has, and I said, I don't want to – have you divulged secrets, but clearly there's something here. And he said, well, of course I'm not going to share those Kyle. So my name is in on that interview specifically. So, uh, I'm going Rosberg full Homer, no regrets. Yeah. So our model goes through, right? Voss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Art Modell, uh, not necessarily well remembered by Browns fans and some of the wider NFL, 
Uh, I don't think it's totally fair. Yeah. He tried his damnedest to keep the Browns in Cleveland, I think, for you know a good amount of time. Ultimately, it didn't work out, and it ended acrimoniously. So I feel for Browns fans that they had to lose their team for a couple of years, and especially in the manner in which it happened, it was very ugly. But uh, I think that's something that overly taints our Modell's career, which uh, is more wide-ranging than that. And I think he had a bigger heart in him than uh, some of those Browns fans want to uh, remember. I think that's a lot of revisionist history because he really wanted to win there. It didn't work out. Uh, he wanted to keep him there. It didn't work out. Um, he came here and uh, he got it done. So I love the guy personally and I'm voting him through. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said, but I'm still going to be a homer. But Browns fans, though, Browns fans are complaining they didn't have football for two years. Ravens fans didn't have football for, what, 25 years? Yeah. And they sold out every game for like 20 years after. And that it also happened. It so. also happened with Ursay. Like I've been doing research on this because of a project for the podcast that I'll probably be rolling out in a couple months. But it happened in as acrimonious, if not more of a fashion with the Colts leaving town here than it did with the, in the middle of the night, in yeah. the middle of the night. Yeah. And yeah, Ursa, literal middle of the night. They teach about eminent domain in law schools specifically with this case. This yeah. is what they teach when they talk about eminent domain. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And the, it, uh, the oh. city, the city board, um, and I think the chamber of commerce was putting together a bid to claim them mm-hmm. so that they could keep the team and or say, uh, that, that bastard was slippery enough to get they out. split it's away in 12, I believe it's 12 different routes out of Maryland so they could get to, uh, out of the state and city limits, uh, that night because yeah, they uh, hired a bunch of, uh, trying to stop it. they hired a bunch of frat bros from, uh, uh, UMD to come and help them do the job. So shame on you guys. Uh, but that's enough on that. <laughs> Moving on, uh, we have this one's pretty easy. Ozzy Newsom is a four versus Chuck or Chaz Pagano as a thirteen. I'm gonna go Ozzy. Gotta be Ozzy. Gotta be Ozzy. He built the foundation of two championship teams, and how many Hall of Famers did he pick? Pagano was uh, a good a good defensive coach there for a while. Had the uh, University of Miami ties to Ed Reed and all that, but obviously Ozzy here. He, sure. Ozzy has a good chance. What what are the odds? I think Ozzy has a pretty good odds to cut down the nets. He could have like if it were seated in a different way where I incorporated these with other groups, he could have been a one seed, but Yeah, I was actually surprised he wasn't the one seed or even the two seed. You just said he was the four, right? Yeah, there are some strong names on here. I'm looking forward to seeing what this these odds the, were. This side of the bracket must be stacked, Jake. Uh yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, all no kidding. They're Ozzy all, is never a four seed in life. <laughs> they're all pretty stacked. Um moving on, we have Gary Kubiak is an 11, maybe a little high for a one-year guy, but he people still freaking talk about that guy around here uh, versus Eric DaCosta as a six seed. I'm going to go Eric DaCosta, uh, but I think uh, Kubiak deserved to get a little bit of shout on here. I think DaCosta one year versus one year, really, but uh, Kubiak's a great coach. Look what he did helping out the Vikings this last year, but DaCosta put together a better year than he did so and he's yeah. also been DeCosta's also been around forever too sure of course of course yeah it's Eric DeCosta it's not close in my mind I really like Gary Kubiak um I debated waiting outside of uh uh DIA uh when his flight came in hoping to hold a sign to say come back to Baltimore way back in the day because I was living here in <laughs> Colorado but with that Statement in mind, um, Steve Bashotti's literally was paying him full GM salary for him to not go to another team and for him to just chill behind Ozzie Newsom because he knew he was going to get the job eventually. And that's why he had to decline interviews every single year and requests for him to join another staff. Eric DaCosta for me. 
for sure. Um, yeah, and Gary Kubiak's son is a scout now, so maybe he'll make a way into this front office and we'll get some more Kubiak in our life uh, again sometime soon. But uh, moving on, you mentioned Steve Bashotti there. He is a three seed, so he was the one just edging out Ozzy. That was a tough one, but I went with Bashotti. He's a three seed versus Marvin Lewis as a 14. Well, Marvin Marvin might be a little underseated there. I thought he he, was, he probably was yeah. when I looked at it. Yeah. Mar- Marvin was great. He was a great DC. Came over from uh, Pittsburgh, put together those really dominant teams in the early 2000s, but it has to be Bashadi. The way the whole change of ownership went down, uh, Modell was short on money. So Bashadi gave him cash infusion, bought, I believe it was 49 or 50% of the team. Then he had an option to buy the rest of the team. But what some may not know is without that cash infusion, the Ravens would not have had the money to go on that free agent sp- uh, spending spree that provided that first championship. So, yeah, Bashadi for sure. Yeah, he was a minor- minority owner there for a little while behind Modell. Uh, just completely does it the right way uh, for any NFL owner uh, to take notice of. He's the guy that uh, people mention um, in sort of, I wouldn't say reverent tones, but revered tones as just an owner who absolutely gets it and wants to win, uh, but doesn't get overly involved because he knows he has the right football minds that he has uh, put in place. And uh, just a, a guy that I really look up to and uh, yeah. appreciate. The cast between the castle and the state of Ravens address. He's first class is a first class organization. Yeah, for so. sure. And it all goes back to him, I think. And, uh, you know, everything that he's learned up to this point. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I agree. It's Steve Bashotti. Uh, first time I saw him when he was at training camp, uh, there was so I can't even remember the player being interviewed. I was just staring up at him instead, realizing like this was all him you know this this team their contracts this the entire staff from the the men water sprinting around with the water jugs to picking up the ice to the foundation of the building itself that's all him and uh you know I, i'm appreciative of him for having this team and and being able to go after championships because some owners don't put in the effort that uh Steve Bashotti does or uh, many do in fact and it's awesome to be able to talk about a team that puts forth effort towards winning and that starts with him no doubt for sure uh, so Steve Bashotti goes through there moving on we have a fun one in Dean Pease as a seven seed versus Rex Ryan as a 10 what do you think Voss Rex Rex for sure uh, Pease was okay. I mean, he had some good years. He wasn't as I – mean, he, he was creative at times, a little bit salt in the fourth quarter. But Rex was awesome. He came up with that 2006 organized chaos defense, which for my money, 2006 is right up there with 2000 as far as the best defense ever in team history. He kind of started that whole positionless football coming from that Rex tree, running that 46 defense. Um, so, yeah, easily Rex for me. What do you think? Kyle? Yeah, you got to go. You got to go with Rex here. Um, I like Dean Pease. I think he gets slammed a little bit too much. You know, you can't. You got. You always got to mention his fourth quarters. Every uh, you know, anytime you hear Dean Pease, that's always what's discussed by Baltimore Ravens fans. Uh, but he did. He did really well with uh, his teams, and they won a Super Bowl, and he was a part of that team. You know, but Rex Ryan, 06, 06 is the best. NFL defense, arguably. Uh, the only problem is when you don't win the chi- you don't win the ship, you don't get to get talked about. That's all there is to it. And uh, but Rex Ryan was the one that you know was foundational in that build. Yeah, I'll throw Pease a shout out vote. Um, I think Rex was the better coordinator, but Pease got the uh, the hardware, which is uh, pretty big. 
In my in my opinion, I mean, you guys don't have to agree. I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll let that slide. We'll let it slide. Yeah, for sure. You're on thin ice. So last one of the black division, we have Brian Billick as a two seed versus. You know, look at Marty Morningweg. He's a 15 seed. He's coming in. He's going to be coordinating the offense. And man alive, is it going to be tough to get some productivity out of Joe Flacco and these guys. But look, we're going to try to do our best. And, you know, we think we know what we have to do. And they think they know. And I think I know. And it's Brian Billick (laughs) versus Marty. Who are you guys voting for there? It's a tough one, I know. Billick, Billick, obviously he he created that uh, that swagger. He took over from Archer Broda, I think, in the franchise's fourth year, and uh, took him to the championship in his second year, and uh, just kind of built the culture. Now Harbaugh has put his own little spin on it, and he's Harbaugh's definitely more workmanlike. But I think some of that bad boy, you know, hit him in the mouth, don't back down from anybody type of attitude still uh, resonates. Uh, from Billick's days. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. A lot of the stuff you just said, I wrote a piece a couple years ago arguing for him to get in the Ring of Honor. It finally happened this past year. Um, that was one of my favorite articles I ever wrote, um, just going back through the sound bites and stuff. He's just a really fun guy, great coach, good motivator. Wasn't really necessarily as successful with the offense and X's and O's as they were expecting coming over from Minnesota, but he adapted well to the roster that he had, and I think he got the most out of it to win that Super Bowl. Got a little acrimonious at the end uh, towards like the 07 years, but uh, ultimately it seems like they've mended the fences and now he's in the ring of honor and uh, a big part of the organization still doing the preseason broadcast. So uh, Billick is uh, going through for me uh, with a button here. As for my vote, uh, I think I know at least Joe thinks he knows when this will happen. So that way I think I know maybe so it'll we be before we or a little bit after, Look, you know, who knows if it's but... before that or a little bit before <laughs> it probably not going to be much before or a little bit after we'll adjust the plan. As long as he's back at a reasonable amount of time to prepare, I think we'll be fine right there for me to vote for Brian Billick. Okay, fair enough. Billick in a sweep. Uh, so coming out of the black division, let me pull up the standings there. We have John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, Art Modell, Ozzy Newsom, Eric DaCosta, Steve Bashotti, Rex Ryan, and Brian Billick. Those are some heavy fucking hitters right there. Moving on to the red division. So these are the guys that are kind of after that early 2000s era going up through like 2012, maybe a little bit after 2012. Uh, we have a one seed in Ray... Anthony Lewis uh, versus a 16 seed in Courtney Upshaw, whose middle name escapes me. Upshaw, huh? Oh yeah, Upshaw made the top 64. He's a good. He was he was a good player. He was like a good run stuffer. He yeah. was an excellent run stuffer. Well, then, then he went to Atlanta and, and went, became a defensive tackle. Yeah, that was uh, weird. But uh, <laughs> I so, mean, I think this so is weird. a. It's a blowout, obviously. Reed's my favorite player, but I don't think you can argue that 52 had the biggest impact on the franchise out of any player. I think that's pretty clear. Agreed. Yeah, you got to go with Ray over Courtney Tremaine Upshaw. Thank you. Okay. Ray Lewis. Moving on, we have... This is a fun one. Derek Johnson is an 8 seed versus Derek Mason as a 9 seed. Ooh, that's a that's a tough. One. That's a solid two names. Those are solid, and I think those are judged pretty pretty well. Um, uh, I'd go with uh, 
I, I'm, I'm going with double J here. Going with double J in the spirit of of defense and what this team is and the culture. Got to go with you. Got to go with Jarrett Johnson. I love Derek Mason, but you got to go with Jarrett. Mason was great. He was, uh, or still might be, the franchise leader in a lot of the receiving stats. Um, and that out route with Flacco early years was unstoppable. I'm going JJ too. He was very strong player, and the fact that he knocked Heinz Ward out cold in this in the <laughs> Heinz Ward's last year in the first game before Ray Lewis knocked him out cold in the second game definitely uh, gets him the nod. Yeah, definitely. I'd vote Jarrett through uh, in a sweep there. I thought it was a really good matchup. Derek Mason had a lot of good, really fun years. That was kind of around the time I really started getting into football, and he was just a ton of fun to watch, even being a little older after coming over from Tennessee. But uh, his connection with Flacco was a ton of fun, so uh, shout out to him, but I'd vote JJ through as well. Uh, just a really underrated, fun player, and that uh, hit on Heinz Ward is maybe my favorite thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Moving on, we have Jersey Joe Flacco as a five seed. It's also his number five, if you didn't know, versus Vontae Leach as a 12. <laughs> uh, you got to go Flacco, right? Yeah, Come on. for sure. Yeah. He was uh, he definitely had his down moments uh, towards the end. and But it wasn't just the 2020 playoff run. It was the 2011 playoff run and the 20 to 2010 playoff run. Uh, so, yeah. Joe Flacco, no question. All love to uh, Vonta Leach, but you got to go with Super Joe or Joe Cool. Yeah, for sure. Flacco, uh, only Super Bowl MVP at quarterback in franchise history. They've only played in two, so kind of makes sense. But, um, yeah, just a guy, you know, underrated, had a lot of really good years. Um, I think maybe gets crapped on a little bit too much, maybe revisionist history now, because I thought he was pretty good between, like, 09 and 14. Um, but injuries caught up to him, a lot of other stuff caught up to him, that contract caught up to him, uh, and now he's gone uh, with a little bit of sour taste left in people's mouths, but uh, I don't necessarily feel that way. So I'd vote Flacco through there over Leach, who, you know, pairing up with a fullback might have been a little bit of a layup, but uh, a 5 or 12, <laughs> you know, it's going to happen sometimes. Moving on, um, not, not a great one, Terrell Suggs as a 4 versus Todd Heap as a 13. T Sizzle, T Sizzle for sure. Heap was a solid player, the main target, uh, but he coughed up that fumble in the goal line on that 2006 season when the Ravens had Indy uh, on the ropes, and uh, he was a little—I don't know—I don't want to say anything bad about Heap. Good player, really good player, but Suggs is on the team's Mount Rushmore, so he has to be here for sure. Yeah, Todd Heap. Fantastic player, five over five thousand yards receiving, over four hundred and fifty catches with the team. Great player. He's only second behind Derek Mason, as you said, Bass, for um, total receiving yards in in franchise history. But yeah, you got to go with Terrell Suggs, Hall of Famer, shoe in for uh, the Mount Rushmore for the Ravens, shoe in for a Ring of Honor, and an all time character for the Baltimore Ravens. I love that. I love the little stats inc things that you're pulling up here. It's great. It's like we're like a live radio show and you're like the producer pulling up the stats. I need you to keep doing that. Uh, it's That's my thing, man. I love I, – dude, I might as well just have PFREF on, as my homepage on everything. That's <laughs> that's my content. That's my go-to. And uh, and I know it's not all about stats. I know there's a lot of stuff, you know, on field Watch that you can't tape, do. Watch the tape, bro. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. But no, I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a stats guy. We all know that. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you, honestly. 
Uh, so Terrell Suggs goes through. Moving on, we have Tory Smith as an 11 versus Haloti Nada as a 6. That's a good matchup. That's a good matchup. Tory had made a lot of big plays and a lot of big games, going on the road and catching game winners in Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter, and obviously uh, carried the offense for the first half of that Mile High Miracle game. Barry Bailey on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with Nada. I think he or Yanda. He and Yanda are, are vying for fifth best player in franchise history. Big man, could do it all, rush the quarterback, stop the run, obviously, a humble giant off the field. So, yeah. I'm going to go with Tory on this one. Um, I think when I look back on that, and this probably isn't fair because he, uh, Nada was a D-tackle, um, but when I look back on that 2012 Super Bowl run, which my favorite team, unsurprisingly, I think way more of Tory um, than I do of you know Nada. Um, but Nada was probably a better player. What do you think, Kyle? Rubber match? I, uh, if we go by Vass's approximate value and his love of AV, according to PFF, it's Haloti Nada and it's not close. Um, but I mean, I love those plays by Tory Smith. Um, and I think my personal affinity is going to be the bias here. And I'm actually going to push Tory Smith through on this. He's going to be my vote. Wow. There's nothing like watching him torch champ Bailey twice in a playoff game against one of the best Denver Broncos teams I've ever witnessed after they got throttled by them earlier in that same season, you know, and, uh, and just that entire run Torrey Smith's career, just being a beloved Raven, three touchdowns in a single game. At one point, his game against the new England Patriots after his, after his, uh, brother, you know, unfortunately passed away. This this guy's a legend for the Ravens. And Haloti Nada deserves uh, better than my vote. I know that, but I'm I'm picking Torrey Smith anyways. Haloti, yeah, I think it's clear that Haloti is the better player, but Torrey just has so many moments. Like, and that's kind of what I look at sometimes when I'm looking back at these guys and I'm doing like a bracket of rankings and things like that where it's not 100% like analytical sometimes. You just got to vote with your heart. So I'm going to vote with my heart on this mm-hmm. one for Tory, And uh, he goes through in uh, kind of a big upset there, an 11 over a 6. So Tory goes through and he will face the winner of the blind side, Michael Orr, as a 14 seed versus uh, General Cornwallis and Marshall Yonda as a 3. Yonda, next question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I co-signed that. I think Orr got too much shit, for the record. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think uh, the combination of him being a good player drafted high with a movie about him really underscored his uh, it, who he was. You know, he was a great player. He played well. He won a championship. He did well. But the, the film and his high draft uh, made him... Like everybody just wanted to talk about, oh, you guys got that blindside guy on your team, right? Yeah. And that's and that he didn't deserve that. But this is Marshall fucking Yonda we're talking about here. Yeah, it's I mean, he Yonda could have been even higher than a three, honestly. But uh, there are two there are two big hitters in front of him. Moving on. uh, Speaking of big hitters, we have Anquan Bolden as a seven versus Dennis Pitta as a ten. I. 
think it ha- has to be Bolden. He didn't put, produce, you know, gaudy numbers. He produced better in Arizona before he came to Baltimore, as well as in San Fran after he left Baltimore. But in that playoff run, he was incredible catching touchdowns, carrying the team, putting the team on his back. And he did that in other games. One called upon, there was a game where he had a rematch against the Cardinals where he went nuts, I think, in 2010 or 2011. Um, Pitta was solid, but and he was clutch, definitely clutch, that big clutch touchdown against the 49ers on Thanksgiving night, one of the, one of the top Ravens games I've attended. But I think it's Bolden for me. Yeah, Pitta, so many clutch moments. And if you look at the numbers, they're probably – he might even be more productive than Bolden. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but it's it's a pretty close matchup ultimately, um, for me at least, in the sense that Pitta hung around for a little bit longer than Bolden did, I think. Um, and, yeah, just some moments. Like you mentioned the, the catch against the Niners, which was probably the first really big play that he made in his career. Not a lot of people even really knew who he was at that point. And then um, – 2012 against the Broncos it was overtime they were backed up into their own territory it's like third and 13 and they're probably on the yep. five yard line Flacco just lobs one up and Pitta goes up and grabs it and uh, really save the game and save their Super Bowl run so a lot of a lot of really fun moments for Pitta but I, I would vote Bolden as well on this one I'm gonna make this a, a clean sweep uh, Anquan so strong watching him mock the Patriots in the end zone as a man fell off of his waist. Uh, Also, Anquan Bolden has more yards, more touchdowns on fewer receptions than Dennis Pitta did. You got to go with the man who is eighth all time in receiving yards for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, for sure. So Bolden threw on a clean sweep there and Last matchup of the Red Division, we got another uh, easy one here. It is Pernell McPhee as a 15 seed, uh, getting ousted by Ed Reed as a two seed. Yep. What are your thoughts there, uh, <laughs> Greek Freak? What do you think? Reed's my favorite player of all time. Just what nice. a dynamic player, ball hawk, taking interceptions to the touchdowns. Um, McPhee was good, really solid, one of the best uh, producers as far as rushing the quarterback that they've ever drafted, but has to be Reed clearly easily. Yep. Reed. My favorite that. part of Reed was you'd go to the games and he'd make these crazy, crazy plays, pick a ball off. I was at one game and he was he broke up a pass defense. It was first and goal from like the three or something. And he broke up three straight passes. I guess I think it was right before halftime. So they passed it three times in a row. He broke up one on the left, one in the middle, and one on the right and just broke on the ball. And then he'd go to the sideline and the whole stadium, 70,000 people would be saying, read, read, read. And they'd, and they'd have him on the big screen and he would just like, like I don't know if he was – you know, high five and Ray or whatever he was doing. And then finally he's acknowledged the crowd and everybody would just go nuts. Yeah. It felt like he would make a play. And then for like a minute or a couple minutes, he just wouldn't give less of a shit about what the crowd was saying. And then like, he would just get all his daps and everything. And then he would go say what's up to the crowd. It was kind of right. Wasn't that awesome? (laughs) Yeah. He's just like a kind of mercurial, like funny, different type of guy. And, uh, having a really great, uh, second act of his life here after his career. Fucking legend. Yeah. He's like that dude, is he's the chief of staff of defense at Miami which is must be nice to live down there he's like playing golf at Augusta with Peyton Manning he's just that with smoking cigars like that dude is just living life 
We just smoke cigars, listens to jazz music, and cashes checks. Might be the most uh, <laughs> might be the most prolific hashtagger of all time too. <laughs> hashtag cigar things. Hashtag winning things. Hashtag life. Hashtag Ed Reed things. I could go on. God, I love that man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fellas, that is the red division wrapped up for you. Going through, we have Ray Lewis. Jarrett Johnson, Joe Flacco, Terrell Suggs, Torrey Smith, Marshall Yonda, Anquan Bolden, Ed Reed. That is a strong group right there. And finally, uh, I think we're going to wrap the episode after we finish this one up. It is the Gold Division. So this is an interesting one. It's kind of that post-2012 Super Bowl up until now. So I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but I seeded Lamar Jackson as number one. What do you think? League MVP. I think... uh I don't know. You tell me, guys, if you're putting together the best starting 22 in team history, has Lamar passed Joe just on the strength of one and a half seasons yet? I think he's already shown he's a better player. He hasn't done more yet, but right. if I had to pick a guy for one game, I'd probably pick Lamar. I mean, I, I think that's too fast there. Are we talking prime 2012-2013 Joe for one game over Lamar Jackson for one game. Well, that's where it gets weird because Flacco was so that's inconsistent. Exactly. Like, if you're talking about, like, playoff Flacco, like, I don't know, like, I, I would take playoff Flacco over a good amount of, like, respectable guys. But Yeah, I'll take Joe Cool over a lot of people. I don't I, I don't think he's passed him yet. I, but I mean, Flacco never I made a pro. the Joe revisionist is, is so tough that, well, you know, he, he it, actually, it just swings so hard. He did, but in the most Flacco thing ever, his, like wife had just had a kid or something he's like yeah i'm good i won't go to the pro bowl like thanks joe like we could have we've been hearing that you've never made the pro bowl thing for like 10 years you could have just gone and that could have been out the window but no you had to be joe flacco and sit in your little basement in new jersey playing pinball and not going to the pro bowl <laughs> so we can't defend nuggets <laughs> eating Gotta chicken nuggets. nuggets watching the bachelor nugs. with dennis pitta and dan brown like sick man you couldn't just go to the pro bowl for like two days like so you know <laughs> Infuriate. I didn't know that. That's crazy. <laughs> oh man! <sighs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> it's just that you know that was weighing on me for a while. I'm glad I got it out. Um, Fair enough. So I have Lamar Jackson as a one versus Kyle Barber. Sam Cook is a 16 seed. I'm gonna lose my shit if you guys keep matching up these special teams players. I think you with should be All-Stars. thankful. You should be thankful that Jake is including so many special teamers. I do appreciate. They're important. It. I mean, it's They're, an important part of the, the franchise history. They aren't in the NIT, and I appreciate that. Yeah, where's, Morgan, where's Morgan Cox? Is he on here somewhere? He's not. He's no, got he, the two seeds. No. I would have. I would have put him as the 16. I would have put him as the 16. Let's no, he right. he was like a scrappy like Mac team that was kind of like you know messing around. I was like, oh, you know, maybe, and then it just you know it didn't happen for him. But he, that's. He's a number one in the NIT tournament, I tell you that. Oh, yeah. Well, congrats on that. <laughs> Cook, Lamar. Si- Cook sneaky Lamar. big. Sam Cook has, a, you know, a legendary play in the Super Bowl. Just oh, saying. Yeah. There's that. I'm, yeah, like he's, you know, sneaky franchise. Okay, legend. I pick Lamar Jackson. You guys made me say it. Thanks. Okay. Lamar Jackson goes through over Sam Cook. Big stunner there. Uh, moving on, we have... Two of your favorite, well, one of your favorite players, Voss, Brandon Williams as an eight seed versus Tony Jefferson as a nine. Oh, those are two of my favorite players. I think I have to go with B-Will. Just never came together for TJ here. Uh, really good guy. Really good. He's still recruiting for the team. He's not even on the team. And he's still like, yeah, come to Baltimore after they cut him, which is pretty awesome. Um, I think he'd be great in a some type of ambassador role later on maybe, but 
as far as play on the field, even though Brandon Williams doesn't rush the quarterback very well, he stops a run very well, and Jefferson didn't do either phase particularly well. Yeah, it didn't come together for Tony. Um, great dude. Love the fact that he came here for less money. Love his personality and how funny he is. Um, but it, while he was good, he never really quite lived up to that uh, top strong safety contract. Um, and, you know, I hope he does get involved with the team in some capacity when he's done playing. I don't know if he's done playing yet or not, uh, what he wants to do. But uh, ultimately, I'm definitely going to be voting Mr. Brandon Williams through here. What do you think there, Kyle? Uh, Brandon Williams was my first player interview solo, so I'm definitely going there. But also just because he's a great player, great athlete, and uh, his play on the field has outperformed Tony Jefferson's as a whole. For sure. So it sounds like a clean sweep there. Moving on, we have another fun one. This is kind of an old versus a new or, well, maybe not quite that. Um, yeah, this is a, this is kind of a weird one. We have a five seed in uh, Marlon Humphrey, the TikTok uh, king, versus a 12 seed in Mark Ingram. Humphrey. Definitely Humphrey for me. Uh, better player at a more important position, more of a playmaker. Uh, Ingram had a great year. I think his catching the ball out of the backfield really, we saw it in training camp, but uh, how many receiving touchdowns did he have last year? He had a lot. Five? Yeah, he had like five, five and then that, like eight or nine rushing. Yeah, it's, that's pretty crazy. But uh, Humphrey is a better player, and so I'm going Humphrey. I do the Humpty Hump. Uh, I do the Humpty Hump. Yeah, I pick Marlon Humphrey. That may be the whitest audio clip <laughs> ever produced. We're just Cut appro- that. <laughs> we're just approaching like – Wonder Bread levels, um, but yeah, Bar- Barber's delirious over there. Look at that! I wish people could see his face right now. It's I know funny. he looks kind of like <laughs> Rambo. He's like Rambo yeah, crawling around in the tunnels for no reason. Yeah, like he's got the headband on. It's we're, we're it's just, a hat. It's a it's a, I got the headphones. Okay, gotcha. It's it's my Ravens hat. Don't give me that. No sick. I have a hat on because I look absolutely horrible. I was supposed to see a barber three oh, weeks ago. That. We got to you stay in. Look in a mirror. You're in it, you're in, your name is Barber. You can't Look handle that. Trim up no, my barber. wanted to cut my hair, and I shut that down real quick. You, you, you never want to hear the phrase, "Hey, mom, do we still have those clippers?" <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Going to top knot. That's Going to top knot. I'm doing it. I've always wanted to grow out the hair. I'm doing it. I don't want to hear the sass. Grow it into like Marlon Humphrey. Next question. <laughs> Okay, getting sassy on me over there. Um, <laughs> it's talking shit on me, talking smack about what I'm wearing, even though it's a Raven's hat. My hair looks terrible. I'm I'm locked just, in this prison. <laughs> I'm just being a master of ceremonies here. We're all going to be quarantined. We might as well have a little fun. Moving on. Yeah. A four seed in uh, Ronald Stanley uh, versus a 13 seed in downtown Hollywood Brown. Uh, Stanley. It's got to be Stanley, right? Stanley. All, all pro. Hollywood, though. I'm excited about his future. That catch, was that was that playoff catch he made the uh, the best catch of the year, you guys think? For us, it, the Ravens. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, right, definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah, for I sure. I think it was pretty sick. But what about that, that Kansas – Was it, no, it was the Cardinals catch at week two. <laughs> yeah, that was him as well. Like, yeah. That was nuts. Where that he's was just, Lamar's best throw of the year. I was in that oh, end. Yeah. Dude, I was in that end zone. That was fucking unbelievable he had such a hollywood had a big game it's like oh my god did they draft a good wide receiver 
I think this. I think that catch was really like his breakout game against the Dolphins. Obviously, like they beat the. Yeah, Dolphins but that was kind of like they were gonna blow the doors said, off yeah. the Dolphins anyway, and then like he actually did it. Went out and did it again in week two, and it was like, oh wow, this, yep. this is for real. Yeah, when he when he caught that pass in week two, I was like, holy shit, this is this is real deal. And the Ravens, I think that was like a the Ravens are real deal. Like they're gonna air this stuff out, and they have the confidence and the playmaking to do so with a quarterback that knows how to throw. Even though everybody said that he doesn't know how to throw all fucking off season for sure so that was a lot of fun um we have ronnie stanley going through and then we move on to an 11 in orlando brown jr the third versus eric weddle a six seed i go with the zeus jr in this situation um all love to eric weddle um he made some good plays uh he's a he's an outstanding player but i'm going with the guy that helped forge the path for Ingram, Lamar, and company, Gus Edwards, of course, uh, on the prolific 2,000-yard season and best running rushing season by an NFL team ever. Yeah, I'd go Weddle. I think he lost the speed a little bit towards the end there, uh, maybe lost his fastball, but he had a couple good years. And uh, just kind of on the Tony Jefferson front where we were kind of talking about how good of a person he was and good ambassador for the organization, I think Weddle was that and then some. Uh, great hardball type of guy, um, great quarterback of the defense, really smart dude. Hope he winds up with the organization again at some point. Um, and so while he didn't necessarily have the – best last year of his career uh or at least last year with the ravens ultimately um i think he had enough productivity coupled with uh what he did off the field uh to the point where i'd be willing to vote for him here voss who you sending through there bud i am going to it's just this is a close one i think it's a back and forth game um I guess I'm going to go with Weddle, and I agree with what you said, Jake. He was not great in 18, particularly. Um, you know, he wasn't his prime. You know, he's he's over the over the hill now. But Brown, as good as he is, and I think he is up there in one one of the better right tackles in the game. He's not. I think the scheme really helps him a lot, and playing next to Yonda really helped him a lot. And um, so, yeah, I'll go with Weddle. That's definitely a close one, but Eric Weddle goes through. And uh, moving on, we're coming in the home stretch here. We have a three seed in Matt Judon versus a 14 seed, and this might be weird, in C.J. Mosley. These these seedings, I feel like there's some like ulterior motives going on here. Somehow. No, no. <laughs> so for this one, um, I'll be totally honest with you guys. I forgot about Judon and I was like I need to get him in. I need to get him in as like a high seated guy so I got him in there and I bumped Mosley down several spots I'm, yeah, going, I'm going Judon I'm going Judon is he a elite pass rusher no but there's only maybe five in the entire league um, and two of them are brothers named Bosa um, Mosley racked up a lot of tackles but a lot of his tackles were not necessarily considered wins for the defense. And he wasn't great in coverage and he wasn't great blitzing and he didn't make a lot of tackles for a loss. And he missed a lot of tackles on the goal line. Um, and I appreciate what he did for the Ravens, but I think he's he was overrated when he's here. And the memory of him is very overrated still. So I think Judon's a better player. For me, it's impact plays with Mosley. Um, he made a lot of them as a rookie, which was big. When he was a little leaner and faster, I think he put on too much weight, um, which kind of slowed him down, uh, not calling him fat or anything. Let's, you know, 
fat shaming. Let's leave that in 2019. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he put on a little too much weight, lost some of that playmaking tendency, but he did make a couple. And then 2018 picks off Baker Mayfield, one of my favorite plays of the decade. So Mosley, I think, I think that pass was going incomplete anyway. Yeah, it was, was but like, and it was fourth down. <laughs> well, he was so he was blitzing. So he was blitzing, and Wink said that he had the option to keep blitzing or pull off, depending on what he saw, and he pulled off. So if he hadn't done that, then Mayfield had a wide open guy coming to the left slant. Which no, he, he was covered. He, I, I watch that replay again. Oh, check anyway, the I won't tape. argue with you. Check the tape. We got a it real check fourth, the It tape. was fourth down. The pass was five yards short of the stick, and the player was covered, well covered, and the ball was behind the receiver. As much as as much as I do agree with you that Mosley is somewhat overrated, I think he deserves credit, a lot of credit for that play. Okay. Uh, I think uh, Mosley is is deserving of some credit as well. I have Matt Judon winning this one. Uh, great pass rusher, great player. Happy that he got the tag. Uh, was hoping for a better term deal for both sides. Um, but Mosley, I mean, he was good, man. He was really good his very first year. He was great for you know the first three, maybe even four years with the Ravens. Totaled uh, nine interceptions. Had a had a touchdown uh, return. He had a few forced fumbles. He had a touchdown scoop and score. He had uh, eight and a half sacks with the Ravens. He he really was an impressive player his first few years with the Ravens. But that being said, Matt Judon's the winner of this contest. Yeah, I think Mosley kind of came in at the end or a little bit even after the end of the heyday of the middle linebacker. Like he would have been a shit kicker in the mid 2000s. Oh, God. Yeah, I, 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 I really agree with that. So a little bit of a victim of circumstance there, but he got a big contract anyway, so he doesn't have to complain. Um, oh, yeah, he got paid. Moving on. Here's a fun one. Seven seed in Steve Smith Sr. versus a 10 seed in Mark Andrews. Mm, that mm. is a good one. That is a good one. Mm. You want to go first, KB? I was going to pull the stats, not going to lie to you. Um, we don't have any training camp anecdotal stories on this one. I was going to say, where's no, the, uh, where's I mean, the name Smith drop was, on, uh, on this one? I mean, Smith called us all jackasses when he was talking about the media. Well, he so was right was about you, at least. I'll say that. Well, he, tried to, he tried to fight me at Bond Street Cafe one night. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> well, you put, off, you put off big fight vibes. It's like, this guy's yeah. trying to fight. This guy's trying to throw I hands. am a little... A little aggressive. You're just trying to you're just trying to <laughs> pop top and show everyone your abs and just kind of dance around a little bit. I know you're. I game. don't know about that. I don't have abs, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Steve Smith with the Ravens had 2,500 yards. Mark Andrews already has 1,400, so he's only 1,100 yards behind. He could probably break that next year. So the thing that we're talking about is is a their production and play as of right now. Do we have things to look forward to or not? And if you go off of the mindset of like what they've done thus far in their careers, um, you got to go with Steve Smith. He was quite the. I don't know. I mean, Mark Andrews was a part of this offense, and and he was a big, significant role in in their production. Damn it! Now I'm, I'm second guessing. I'm going with Mark Andrews. That's I'm going with Mark one. Andrews. I'm doing it. I'm gonna go with Smitty. He's one of my favorite players of this past decade. He only played here what three years, um, but he came to the offense at a team when they were just in desperate need of like an ass kicker, especially at wide receiver. Bolden had been gone mm-hmm. for a year. Uh, Torrey Smith kind of wasn't getting it done in that role. Um, he was productive, but didn't really bring the attitude. Smith came in, brought the attitude, brought that Raven mentality that you look for. Um, 
and he was played really well those first two years and then that third year he was a little bit injured um and kind of getting to the end of his career but still pretty productive uh and just the whole steve smith experience was so much fun it was short-lived but uh he was one of my favorite players in carolina um and when he came over i was pretty thrilled so uh even though it was for a short period of time i i absolutely loved it and uh i will vote for steve smith on this one i will not argue if he does not go through though because i think mark andrews is off to a tremendous start yeah, yeah this he's is a really go, tough one he's gonna go through i'm gonna put senior through um andrews is ascending uh had a great year looking forward to what he does in the future but i think right now i have more fond memories of what senior did for his team some of those stiff arms and just embarrassing people and bringing that that raven swagger back at a time when they needed it yeah, definitely big catches in the uh, couple playoff games that he played in in 2014. So uh, just big impact all around from him. I think Mark Andrews has a good chance to uh, overshadow him at some point, but I'd still go Smith on this one. So he goes through. And finally, gentlemen, an hour and a half in, we have our last matchup. Are you excited? Go for it. Are there special teamers involved? If Justin Tucker is not in on this. So we and have Justin Tucker is not in on this. So he's have, totally in. So we have Chuck Clark as a 15 seed versus Justin Tucker as a two seed. Yes. All glory. All, <laughs> all Tucker, glory. Tucker, if we're talking about this, land. if we're talking about this era, like this decade, I guess you could call it. Tucker could have been a one seed. I think I agree with that notion. Um, wholeheartedly. Uh, Tucker is the fucking man. He's the best kicker in NFL history. You guys want to read some more stats? You want to pull up the numbers? You know I got them on. You know my I got Excel that pandemic. Got that WMD. Got that WMD. Yeah, pand- pandemic. Got that huh? pandemic. <laughs> Shout I, out to the wire. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to the listeners. I'm not gonna turn them off at the very end. I'm just gonna say Justin Tucker is obviously my vote and to read my content about Tucker and NFL kicking. Get your plugs in playboy. What are they supposed to read? (laughs) Any of my NFL kicking crown articles. I broke down the stats of uh, kicking, kicking distances, the averages and why Tucker is not only the most accurate, but by how great of a, of a distance he does it from than any other kicker. So check it out. But Let's get back to the voting. Yeah, he he goes through. I mean, it's pretty simple. Chuck Clark is off to a good start, but he was deservedly a low seed, and he's deservedly going to lose to Tucker, who I mentioned could have even been a one. Um, His impact is huge. I mean, it's hard to describe for, like, fans of other teams, like, how much this guy actually meant. Like, when you have an injury-riddled Joe Flacco and, like, nothing at wide receiver, and your only hope is that you can get five yards past midfield and Tucker will just boot a long one. It reminds me of, you know, in those mid 2000s teams when you have no offense and you're just rooting for Ed Reed to just somehow make a play. It's like, just get Justin in range and like, he'll get it done. Um, and he weirdly brings that like kind of, uh, you know, kind of fuck you like feisty mentality to the kicker position, which is equally, <laughs> equally impressive and hilarious. Um, and he is a really funny guy too. So we talk about impact on the field. We talk about longevity. We talk about, persona off the field he's all three of them he's at a position that some people undervalue i think uh those people are stupid because it literally gets you points um if you have a good one or extra points um if you have a good one you know so tucker is the best like you mentioned kyle he's the best ever um that's why he's the two seed and uh he's going through what do you think Voss? unanimous tucker's uh most accurate 
right? Most accurate in history. Damn straight. It, so keep, it keeps fluctuating because it's like in the it's in the low nineties, so it's like him and like Dan Bailey and Gostowski are like all they kind of like move within each other. But I think Bailey's done. Well, Gostowski, not even that, dude. It's not even that anymore. Okay, it's not even that. He's he's like two percentage points above anybody else. It was Robbie Gould before the season. Now I think it's like Harrison Butker for the the Chiefs because he's crossed the threshold of minimum one hundred attempts. Yeah, so it's uh, weird, but he's like he's Butker's always good. in the conversation. Yeah, he is. But go ahead, boss. Sorry, he's got a leg. No, no, but Tucker just so many good memories from the Maha Miracle game. Um, how many game winners has he hit in Pittsburgh? That Tory, the Tory Smith New England game. Um, that was his first yeah. big one. Was that his first? That was twenty twelve. I think yeah, yeah it had Sunday to be. Night, yeah, what was that rookie week, year? Rookie yeah. year, week three, something like that. It was early in the season. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's uh, awesome. He's awesome, and especially like you said, Jake, the, the style of football that the Ravens were playing in the latter Joe Flacco years where it seemed like every game came down to a three, every game was a three point game. So having a kicker there was so, so, so valuable. Yeah. in a division where the, you get onto the three rivers and the winds whipping or you're over at Paul Brown stadium. That's also kind of close to the water. And then you're in Cleveland with like the lake right there. And they just, the conditions are just really adverse. And then, you know, it's no slouch kicking in Baltimore either. It can get really windy with the wind whipping in off the bay. So, um, New, or New Orleans. Yeah. Prove that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, he's just absolutely, he's a guy who I think could take this thing pretty deep, honestly. I completely agree. Yeah, he uh, his all-time field goal percentage is 90.753. That's one percentage point higher than Harrison Butker, who just crossed the threshold for minimum of so many attempts. Josh Lambeau. Will Lutz is fourth, who was another kicker for the Ravens that they had to ship off because he's the fourth best of all time. But when you have the number one, you got to keep the number one. That's he's in a dome. Goes. They're kicking exactly. Some he's of these guys are kicking in yep. domes, right? Yep. That's and that's another big significant part of it. But Tucker's by far and away the best, and uh, I'm happy to hear he's not only uh, on the bracket, but he's a two seed. That's really fucking cool. I'm psyched. Exactly. So there you go. I'm glad you got your uh, your special team shine in there. But uh, what do you guys think? Any, any thoughts after the uh, first 64 uh, there? It's a good looking bracket. Um, what was the? It was the black division. Was the the owners and coaches? Yes, or, correct. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the odds on favorite, maybe if you think about it from a macro perspective. But the one that has uh, Suggs and Reed, and that's a pretty good one, too. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind of strong in their own ways. You got recency bias with the gold, which is all the younger guys we were kind of just discussing mm-hmm. a second ago there. So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next couple of uh, days. I guess we'll probably bang this out over the course of the next week. But uh, thank you guys for joining me very much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you very much. Yep, definitely. So like I said, we'll be doing that again soon. Uh, Probably going to be bringing you guys an episode on Monday. Uh, We have hopefully a fun interview booked for you all. Don't totally want to reveal that one quite yet, but uh, been talking with a NFL draft prospect who hopefully is going to be making an appearance. So going to be chatting with him and uh, trying to get that interview out as soon as possible. So maybe we'll go ahead and do that and throw uh, the next round on to the episode with it. Uh, We'll see how the logistics of it work, but we got a lot of time to be throwing our content out. So maybe we'll be spreading things out depending on how it all happens. But uh, really appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Luke. You can follow the show at podcast beatdown you can follow spencer who uh could not be here because he has a girlfriend which is six so shout out to him uh you can follow him at ravens for dummies that's the number four in the middle kyle where can the people find you and your stuff 
At BB underscore Kyle P. Barber is my Twitter handle. Okay. Uh, Voss, where can the fine people find you? At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S-B-E-A-T-D-O-W-N. Good stuff. So, uh, like I said, appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate everyone listening. Go ahead and subscribe to the show if you're not already. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, feel free to reach out on any of our other, our other platforms. Got Instagram. Uh, that's Baltimore underscore Beatdown. We throw mailbags and stuff up there. Throwing some of these episodes onto YouTube as well. So uh, feel free to check that out. But uh, until next time, guys, uh, I will see you. Take care. Peace. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless.